All right, guys, welcome back into the third betting podcast. I uh, got Heisey back once again. Uh, we had a pretty decent week last week. It was a little bit better form, I guess, for us than the previous week. Uh, we're definitely getting our handle on the whole betting podcast thing. Uh, Heisey, how was your week last week? I, I, I can't complain. Um, I got a little bit lucky. Uh, got a bit lucky. I bet uh, <laughs> my buddy's a Lazio fan, and uh, they've been struggling a little bit in uh, Serie A there. So I bet this other team, so solo to beat them, paying six and uh, six to one. I put 150 bucks, 60, uh, six to one, and then I parlayed it with Victor Hovland to win. Oh. And uh, I cashed it out for like I don't know three k or something because he put the ball in the water on six, and I was like, no, I'm just yeah, just time to, to time to go. Well, yeah, that, was, was, that was your was one and done pick, right? Big yeah, it was my one and done pick as well. I'm like, oh, he wins right now. But I remember talking to you off air a little bit about like all these other close calls I've had, and you're like, man, just take it next time. So I saw that happen. I'm like, I'm gonna take it. Mm-hmm. Then I put, then I was on tilt a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. I think I cashed over like 28.87 or something. So I put 8.87 on Justin Thomas when he was on the seventh hole, and I was like, whatever. I like paying six to one. He could probably come back, and then he did come back, and then. So that was paying like 5700 or something. And it was offering me 5300 on the 16th tee. And I was like, oh, man, they're just like, listen, they're, they're trying to save 400 bucks. Like, I don't see how he doesn't win this tournament. Oh, man. And then he, like, he, I, thought he, I thought he was putting it in the water, but he, like, he kind of shanked it almost. And he was missed the right made bogey. I was like, all right, whatever, still up by two. And then Morikawa stiffs it from 190 yards. I'm like, oh, here we go. Are you kidding me? And then 18 obviously happened. And then he made that 50-footer in the first playoff hole, and I was so fired up. I then go on Bet365 to cash it out because now it's offering 5300 again. Yep. I'm like, okay, I'm not making this mistake again. Smart. I go to press it. No, it suspends because oh, I no. waited too long. Then it Morikawa makes a putt. I'm like, are you kidding? It was offering me 3000 I was like, okay, give me it because he can definitely lose this playoff. Yeah. So I took the 3K, and then I was like, you know what? Let's throw 500 on Morikawa at 2-1. to one. And then they, literally the next hole, Thomas, or the second – whatever the third playoff hole he puts it behind the tree and it was just like oh let's go <laughs> it could have been so much more man yeah yeah I hear, but hey you always cash out i think that yeah, is kind of the theme to go with as long as you're making profit that's really the biggest thing it's it's a matter of you'd be kicking yourself more if you didn't profit yeah, i know I'm getting greedy though yeah yeah in terms of the like, podcast in general you hit, you hit the victor hoblin one and done pick I, I forget who your top 40 was um do you remember who that was uh i do not actually yeah, i can't remember but uh i had nick taylor as the top 40 after his first round i was like dude this guy could actually win it it turns out maybe it was a little bit too much for him after you know his first full tournament back he shot a 76 on what was it saturday ended up finishing t48 which kind of sucked for that bet but then with zon patrick Hanley as my one and done pick so two pretty solid you know top 10 one and done picks and i know uh you're messaging me on twitter like oh hey after the first round like we should have been on to win. I think it was Morikawa. I said had one in Taylor because just based on the odds. And so there's that 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 out there. And that's some questions well, that I know the nine to five members can send in the chat ever if they want to get that as well. Well, first eight holes too on Friday. Nick Taylor was looking good, man. He was five hundred through eight, and then just the one, one bad round. That's, yeah, it was kind of unfortunate there, but you know. I do got to say, you were talking about how you got to see the playoff live there. I did not. I have, I have my uh, subscription paid through Amazon Prime to get, you know, the featured groups coverage. So I yeah. had that on in the background, and then I was streaming on my phone, and it cuts out mid-playoff there. And I didn't yeah. get to see Thomas's long putt. I didn't get to see freaking 
um, Morikawa's answer putt. I was so pissed off, especially when they were showing the highlights. And then fucking the PGA Tour on Twitter says whatever that said. Did that just happen? And everyone's just like, no, I don't know if it fucking happened. Like, I was so pissed <laughs> off at that. I'm like, are you kidding me? You guys have such a great opportunity to like overtake um, MLB, maybe even cut into NBA a little bit. And you're not showing these best tournaments. You have Bryson dominating last week. You had a great playoff three weeks ago. And then this shit happens. I was just so pissed off. And I'm like, and then they had the audacity to troll us on Twitter. It was pretty amazing. But I hear you guys in Canada got to watch it all because they yeah. have everything figured out up there. Yeah, it's like, but a couple of weeks ago, the same thing happened at the Travelers. I think it was the third round where they bumped up the tee times. And mm-hmm. again, it was on tape delay, but like we have up here at TSN, they, they pick it up right away at 11 o'clock. But, yeah, we were talking about it. I don't know if it was the last show or maybe the first one we did about how if they wanted to grow their game, they would literally need all the other sports to stop and for them to keep going. And it's like the uh, the work day at the Memorial, you know, they're going to have uh, – sorry, at Mirrorfield, they're going to have the tournament next week. Justin Thomas, Colin Morikow was just – him and Tiger Woods are the only two players to win their second event before missing their second mm-hmm. cut. Like you said, he made a 52-footer, which has like a 3% make percentage. Morikawa then, who we – and even on 18 in regulation, he almost missed that two-footer to even send it to a playoff. Then yeah. he makes that 24-footer to extend it. It's absolutely insane. Like, just imagine what that the place would look like with fucking fans. It would have been absolutely insane. Right. And, and again, what a way to grow the game. And then you'd have Tiger Woods coming back this week. And But talk about them fucking things up. Why is Rory McIlroy in, in uh, Brooks and Tiger's group and not Brayson? I mean, it's just their for you it was on no pun intended on at put bryson and brooks and then add tiger into that group it would be absolutely phenomenal because listen i put a tweet out there because i fucking dislike brooks I, i'm not gonna say i just like hate him I, I pretty much hate jordan speed to be honest just the way he acts like nothing is ever his fault it's always the caddies or some other it was a rough week for him last week with the audio picking sure. him up but continue but it's, like, it's like hey brooks the golfing gods told you to sit the fuck down because you know when he was winning the u.s open back back years and I was talking to my buddy who's a professional golfer too, who's on the Alps tour right now. And he's like, Brooks pretends to make it look so easy. Where Bryson, on the other hand, he's always grinding. He's always working. Brooks just pretends like, ah, you know, I didn't pick up a club in six weeks. And yeah, you know, I don't really golf. I don't watch golf. It's like, but that was all honky-dory when you were, you know, winning all these tournaments. Now it hit you in the face and you're playing like shit. And, and you're tweeting out that Bryson's taking steroids. No, he's not. Like they showed... Bryson put out that Instagram video of him hitting all those drivers. And, and then at the very end, every fucking one was in the dead middle. He hits up yeah, on a five-degree driver. He just, like, he, he hits a 360, but straight. Like, he just works at his game. And, like, to not have those two in a group so Bryson could literally shit on him again and then have Brooks have to answer that, like, you know, what goes around comes around. Just like Spieth, he was on fire. He pretended like nothing could ever affect him and he would be winning forever. And then again, golfing God said, no, 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 you're going to sit down and you're going to eat some humble pie. And that's what, that's what I hate about Brooks. So he makes everything seem so easy. Dude, this goes back to pretty, it was last podcast where I'm like, grow the game around your golfers. I mean, it was a perfect opportunity. You got Brooks talking shit. You got Bryson being Mike Bryson pretty much. And Tiger's coming back. It's perfect. This would have been the perfect storm to be like the highest rated golf tournament probably ever if they did things right at sure. the start of the break it's pretty upsetting and just uh, mic them up like why would you not mic up bryson brooks and tiger in that in that group yeah so i i went to mind it bryson rory and brooks because there's a little bit of beef going back and forth with them that would have been fine as well it's just there was but some bryson and brooks had to be in a group together they just had to be yeah there's definitely and I saw some guy on Twitter talking about it 
Yeah, and I saw some guy on Twitter talking about, like, what are they doing, waiting for, like, the PGA to group them together? But it's like, but by then the beef will be over. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing that PGA Tour just needs to do a better job of. And I know I don't want this to be, a, like, a fluff podcast. We're definitely filling it with some fluff. But we're pretty passionate about it. This is kind of bullshit in general. It's just sad to see. Yeah, absolutely. And I think everyone listening to this would agree because they like the game as well <laughs> as much as we do. It's just kind of like, wow, get your stuff together. And it's, we, you know, the golf community has been saying this for at least four or five years. And it's just like, this was their perfect opportunity. We thought that they were going to get their stuff together and they didn't. Sometimes but, it's like too obvious, you know, just keep it simple. Yeah. Get out of your own way. That's, that's exactly what it is. But it's like betting paralysis by analysis. You think too much and you just, oh listen to too many people and the wrong people and it's just start to kill your yep i agree there completely but let's get into the the winners here we'll do the same format as last week so we'll pick our top three favorite winners and i know we kind of mentioned uh what was it kyle moore Cowas uh almost lip out again from two feet well he did that three weeks ago and xander did that as well five weeks or three weeks ago as well as like a five footer yeah. so maybe this will be Xander's week. That's going to be my first pick for the winner. I think you might like him as well, but Xander, I like his odds. It's kind of lower odds for kind of the field. I'm getting him at uh, plus 2,200. So not bad odds. Obviously he's had two top 14 finishes here. He ranks out as a top uh, 15 stat fit. Uh, I just really like the recent form and I just feel like he's due for a win and kind of on a big stage. And this kind of feels like it would be a good, you know, week for that. Uh, What are your thoughts on Xander? Yeah, man, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's, uh, you know, they were, so like on TSN, whenever they would go to commercial, CBS would go to commercial, like TSN would just switch to the PG Tour live coverage that does like, you know, a couple feature holes and they just show everyone going through it. So it happened to be the par 316th. And Xander, I think maybe was playing for birdie or par. And it's like, wait, Xander's at 10 under par? Like, yeah, yeah okay, I get it. He was nine strokes out of the playoff or whatever the case was, but like, he wasn't really playing that well. And for him to still have a top 10 or whatever and 10 under par was, I think it was a tie for ninth, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Yep. It's like, okay, well, you know, he's like, he's always around there. Like, you know, Charles Schwab, he had that brutal lip out on 17, yep. uh, you know, and then it's like here, he's right in it again. And he's just always around there. And, and you think that he, he's about to break through because like you said, he, you know, he, his stats are really, really good. And I, I think he actually had a pretty decent putting week last week. He just had, I think one round where he lost strokes putting, it was just his, uh, his, uh, his iron play, which was off, but we know with Xander, that's just, that's an anomaly. He, that's not him. He is like a, a lesser version of Morikawa, I guess. They're both just really good, both, yeah. both really good iron players. So you expect his irons to come back around. If you can just keep his putter going one more time, uh, I would expect him to do well. But uh, speaking of putting though, what do you think about players that played last week? compared to this week where so, the greens are going to be faster. Yeah. I always, I'm worried about that. Like, is it, is it not going to make a difference? Is it going to be hard for them to adjust? So that's the only thing I worry about when I'm betting outrights for this week. It goes kind of both ways for me. So I'm just going to use real life example for this. I know times when I go off when the greens have been slow and then I go the next day and they're fast, you know, I played at night or something and then I go and play midday where the greens are a bit faster or they just trend yeah. them. Sometimes it's helping me putt a lot better. And sometimes I just putt a lot worse. It's really tough to tell. And honestly, it's going to be, you know, kind of, I think both spectrums of it, but it's not going to be really in between. It is something to worry about, but it's not something to stress out too much about. I think eventually they'll figure them out, but it is, it is definitely something to worry about because they are going to be a little bit faster and you do get used to the green speeds and you kind of just 
get used to the green speeds. You're just naturally. So yeah. it is a little bit of a worry, but I don't know. We can't draw too much conclusions from it. I do think last week was a week to take advantage of the slower greens in general, uh, but I don't know how much that's going to affect this week in general. I think the bad putters will still somewhat yeah. be bad, but it will be kind of, you know, it's the most volatile or very, most, uh, it's a stat that has the most variance in it. So, yeah, because, uh, you know, I also like Tiger Woods this week and I told my buddies about like, you know what, I, I don't really like betting the same thing with Brooks. I don't really like betting Tiger. I've done it too many times during the year. But that's another guy that I think that actually having faster greens obviously benefit him because we've seen Tiger really struggle over the years on slower greens. He's a much better putter when the greens are rolling at, you know, 12 and a half, 13, 13 and a half. So, you know, and if he didn't win the Zozo championship, I would totally be um, against betting Tiger. But we saw him, you know, win that tournament when he wasn't really in great form and he wasn't really playing really well and across the, across the globe. And I remember a couple of years back at the Memorial, he, I think he was a couple over again through his first opening holes. And then he was, went on an absolute tear, but his putter was just ice cold. So there's some good course history. Obviously he's won it multiple times, but you know, recently yeah. there's, there's some good, there's some good course history there that, you know, I'm going to pull the trigger on tire this week at uh, 30 to one. You got him at 31. Those are some good odds. So just a reminder, I know Bet365 has a little bit better odds on the higher name guys. And uh, DK Sportsbook has a little bit better odds on the um, lower, I guess, quality yeah. guys. So just something to remember. I do agree with that. I like Tiger quite a bit. And just one thing to mention as well, I think that this year is a little bit different where typically when a guy wins an event or a tournament, you typically will never bet them again. This is just such a different year where I think the mindset's a little bit different. Everyone's gearing to go out and win. So I'm perfectly fine with betting someone that's won, you know, earlier this year, or um, that's, you know, just been right around the late. So I agree with that tiger take um, for me, that kind of brings me into my next guy. I think Webb Simpson could three peat, honestly, just, I know it's a popular pick. Um, he's got the same odds as Xander here, but just the stats are absolutely amazing. The lowest stat that I'm looking at this week um, for him is driving accuracy. He's ranked 20th on tour for that. I mean, it's absolutely insane compared to the rest of the field. It, no one compares to that. The only worry with him is that he's only played this course once in the last four years. And for me, I look at the last four years because that's when it's, the data's the most like significant. And it was the 67th finish. That's not great, but he's playing the best golf of his career. Obviously, he's been a top 10 machine and he's been right around, you know, winning you looked at his last event. He sucked, honestly, <laughs> for Webb Simpson's concerns. <laughs> he played garbage, and he's still top 10. So I do like him quite a bit. Yeah, I think Webb Simpson just – when he's on, like we saw him at the, when he won the players, he just is an absolute birdie machine. And in your model there on, on 9th 5 Sports, you know, he's uh, – you know, he, he stats – he ranks out really, really well this week. I think he leads the tour in birdie percentage too. Um but like I said, when Webb Simpson's off, he seems to miss the cut and just be absolutely irrelevant. But when he's on, I mean, he is absolutely on fire. And another guy that's just absolutely on fire is Daniel Berger. I mean, talking about guys that have won this year already. And, you know, that's a guy who definitely went again. The only concern with him would maybe be his extended layoff a little bit. But, you know, he's really, really grinding hard to get his game back. And we saw those top 10s in a row before he finally broke through. Um, and at 40-1, to 1, his stats are just everything's top 20. He's just... You know, and, and when you think of Daniel Berger, you don't think of him being a good putter. But, you know, this this year he's actually has been a really decent putter. And, and once he just matches that with his iron play, um, you know, and then and, and to get a guy that's so that's playing so well at 40 to one. I it's mean, I don't crazy. know how you can't go to him again. Yeah. And we were talking about this, like 
this field is so deep that you're getting these guys like Xander, Webb, Berger, Woods, even uh, Rom. When are you going to get Rom at north of 20 to 1 in an event? Yeah, it's, I know. And it's John Rom. Like, I know these, and, and I was listening to some things, and I was thinking about it. Like, yeah, they're not playing well, but there's a reason why they're the best players in the world, be, but because they don't allow it to last for an extended period of time like the other lower ranked guys would. Yeah, exactly. Exa- that's exactly the difference for sure. Right? And So John Rahm at any moment is just going to go 65, 65, 68, 70 and win by four. Like no, like that is not out of the realm of possibilities. So to get these guys at these numbers, that's why this week is so fun. This is, besides <laughs> is. the Masters, this is honestly my favorite week. I think this is my favorite week. Probably this will get this whole year, to be honest. It's a loaded yeah. field. And Rahm is the one player this week where I feel like I'm going to regret not playing him at all, whether that's betting or whether that's on DraftKings. I just feel like I'm going to regret it. He's priced way too cheap. He ranks out second best in my model. And we know early on in the year, he was probably the best player on Tuller, maybe besides Rory. So that's going to be the one that I might regret. So are those your three then? Uh, Berger, Rahm, and Tiger? Uh, Shoffley. Shoffley. So you're on Shoffley as well. Okay. I'm on Shoffley as well. That's the thing, because he has a little bit better recent form. And at 30 to 1, I mean, it's Xander Shoffley for crying out loud. The guy's an absolute stud, but I wouldn't be surprised, like I just said, and like you said, if Rom just, we're seeing him at the top of the leaderboard being like, yep. (laughs) I was like, it was so obvious. Again, like we should have played him, but, you know, I'm going to err on the side of uh, Xander uh, Shoffley just because the odds are better. And we've seen better play of him as of late. I gotcha. And then, you know, on DraftKings, I don't really like these odds too much. My last one will be, um, it will be Gary Woodland. I know he kind of, some people are talking about his putting, um, how it was better last week than it has been. They obviously didn't watch like the first two rounds because it was just so painful to watch all of his putts, like just burn the edge. So he can put better. <laughs> and uh, I know he putted well on the weekend and whatnot, but the low rounds are there for him. Uh, he had a fifth finish last week, and the odds aren't the best on DK Sportsbook. It's 33-1, to 1, uh, but I still do like him as a play. He's a guy that could definitely go out and get a first place. And I do want to mention all these guys that we just mentioned have a strong likelihood to top 10 or top 20. So if you guys don't want to take you know, the winning upside and kind of play it safe, bet the top 10, bet the top 20, and you'll be pretty solid there. Yeah, and this is where stats could be a little bit misleading, I think, because I, I looked at Gary Woodland, and this course, I think that – you know, they're not cutting the rough. So I think mm-hmm. being accurate off the tee is going to be important. And, you know, Victor Hovland's really improved his around the green. His putting isn't great, but his approaches are phenomenal. So, like, you can live with his putting being mediocre since he's sticking it tight so many times. Yeah. Um, and when you look at Gary Woodland, if you go on pgtour.com or whatever and look at his stats, like, you look at, oh, man, his, and around the green, there's a lot of bunkers. So they're around the green, uh, around the green game is going to be good. And you look at Gary Woodland, it's like, oh, he's brutal. Mm-hmm. But this is where stats can be misleading because if you've watched him throughout the return at Colonial, he was getting up and down from everywhere. Even in the final round where he was completely useless off the tee, he was having to get up and down from so many places. So that's why you look at that stat. It's like, you know, you have to actually do some more digging. And that's why I actually really like Gary Woodland a lot too because his putting obviously is a lot better. And he switched back to that ping driver. He got rid of that shit Wilson driver that he was using and he was gaining I think he was first in the field in strokes gained off the tee last week yeah 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 so I mean, he doesn't make me he's pretty strong at bogey avoidance in general as well I know he ranks yeah. top 50 on the tour so that's another thing to look for and a U.S. Open champion anytime you can get a major champion let me take a quick look here I got Gary Woodland at 40 to 1 so yeah anytime you can get a major champion you know I'm yeah. gonna take that those are great odds on Bet365 there. Wow. Yeah. Take Gary Woodland all day long. 
Like, you're, so you're trying to tell me that Ricky Fowler at 40 to 1 and Gary Woodland are the same player. It's just, no, it's just stupid. But everyone likes Ricky. They like betting on Ricky. And he had a half decent week last week. So, yeah, let's get back on Ricky, the Ricky train. He has good well, course history. I like him in DraftKings this week, but not for betting, not for outright. If you want to bet him top 30, you know, you're not going to make much. But that'd be the fine. But, yeah, I don't like him outright. I agree there. Yeah, and speaking of outrights, I made the mistake of not rostering Jason Day on my lineups because he actually performed quite well. He would have been good on my uh, on my roster. Did you do you like him this week at all? Man, I don't know. Like he seems to be like like I said. You mentioned every, him last week, so that's yeah, why we're bringing it up. Yeah, but it's like every time you hear about oh, this is Jason Day's home course, and, and he never does well. And then there was really no buzz around him last week, and, and he played well. Mm-hmm. And you'd expect him to you know, being at the, his home course for the second week in a row to play well again. Uh, but I, I just – I personally cannot trust Jason Day. I, Not right I, now. No. You know, he, he's going to wake up one day, knock on wood, with, with a bad back again, and you're going to have no idea. He's having, you know, chronic back pain. It's just very hit and miss. The same with Kevin Na. I can't trust rostering that guy. And Kevin Na is just not the caliber of player that people – really oh, yeah. want to make him out to be it's all the only reason why Kevin Nas been hyped up really the last year is just because of his uh speed to pick up the ball of the cup honestly I swear like <laughs> exactly it's the weirdest thing but it's true I mean he's not even like close to being as good of a golfer as some of these other guys in this field and his price point has been so juiced up and you know he's yeah. won a couple of tournaments but other than that he's kind of just sucked I was I was telling my buddies because I know we're going to touch on this in a little bit about long shots but I I personally feel like this week, I'm not touching any long shots because I, I think, obviously, this field is so loaded. And I think that you're going to get guys like – if we go to, fifth, let's say, 56 to 1 is the lowest we want to go. You're getting mm-hmm. Patrick Reed, Tony Finau. I know Justin Rose was a disaster. Abraham Answer at 46 to 1. You know, so those guys are, are world-class players. I think they have the ability to win. But I don't think guys in the 100 or 1 range like, you know – Ian Poulter, who's just putting the absolute lights out, Corey Connors, like you know, I don't think those guys are going to get it done. And when you're getting world class players at fifty to one, I that's that's personally the cutoff for me. Yeah, so I do agree with that this week, especially there are like a few names that really stood out to me that are a little bit above a hundred to one that I like. But you don't, you really shouldn't dig deep too much this week. I agree with that. And that kind of echoes a point that I want to make is you know we hit on a ton of great plays last week. If you guys. We, our focus is hitting outrights and whatnot, but you guys can bet them to top 10, to top 20, to top 30, to top 40, you know, whatever you guys want to do. That's up to you. We're going to give you the information to succeed. And that's really going to be the theme for these players that we touch on with these long outrights. And I'll start off with the first one. It's going to be Harris English for me. Now, I really think that he's going to be a strong, you know, to uh, top 20. So if you guys want to bet that, you can. But Harris English this week at his price point uh, or at his betting odds here, I'm getting uh, 110 to 1, which is pretty good uh, for a guy that's just been a top 20, top 10 machine this year. We saw him have some early success last year. He really struggled at, you know, on his first round back of the first tournament after the break. Bounced back well the next round, didn't make the cut, and then he really bounced back in his you know, event right after that. And he grades out as a great play. I really can't believe his price point on DraftKings, but his odds are pretty solid as well. His lowest stat that we're looking at is going to be uh, driving accuracy, which is 75th on tour. Then everything else is top 20. So the guy grades out as a really strong play, and he is a guy that I could see winning at some deeper odds. And it's kind of like the end of the tier of players that I could see winning. And then kind of like you said, it really kind of falls off for me. But we'll touch on the other two um, for each of us. And I'll have you go with your next guy. Yeah, and, you know, I just want to 
echo it again, your point about you don't always have to bet outrights. I mean, we were absolutely free rolling the weekend where Cameron Champ on bet 365 was going up head to head against Matthew Wolf. And Matthew Wolf had a missed cut. So, and Cameron Champ obviously made the cut. So, that was an easy one. And they were both $1.90. So, mm-hmm. you can obviously find some value outside of just the outrights that could have you, like we say in the weeks past, like have money left over to bet these weeks. So I'm going to say, you know, Cameron Champ at 126 to one, I think he had a double bogey on, on 16 and on the first day or the second day, sorry. Um, otherwise he was going to be like five or six under, and then he could have had a decent weekend to really run it up there. But uh, I like Cameron Champ. Uh, Ian Poulter is at 101, but I'm absolutely fading Ian Poulter this week. He is just making every single putt and, his driving accuracy this uh, year has not been the greatest. And with the rough being longer this year, uh, he's a guy that I'm going to be fading off my roster as well. Danny Willett's an interesting one for me. I keep seeing him pop up. He was having, you know, I, I distinctly remember betting on him when he was three under through three in the opening round of the Charles Schwab. And then he fell apart. And then the following week, he was again three under through four or something like that. And then finally at the Rocket Mortgage, he uh, – he kind of put it all together and had a really a, a decent tournament. So I keep seeing him popping up, and he's kind of a guy I like both on DraftKings and of an outright if I, if I really need to bet someone over 101 at, and at 126 to 1. Yeah, he's really been giving us kind of the Phil Mickelson experience. We'll go low early and then kind of just fall apart and then kind of do it all over again. It's yeah. kind of interesting with Danny Willett. He has caught my eye quite a bit as well. It's just like be a little bit more consistent, dude. Um, for then, I have a, uh, Yeah, go, go ahead, ahead no, 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 the last guy that's uh, – he is going to be on my uh, $200 single entry. He's going to be, you know, my hopefully a guy that does well. I mean, he's the the uh, 25th ranked player in the world, and he's at 176 to 1. Who is for, it? I can't – I don't got it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I remember you you're talking about him. What, yeah, what do you like about him? He's a 25th ranked player in the world. He can't butt worth a damn, but I mean, he can hit the ball wherever he wants on a string. And if he, again, could just make the cut, he's price point at 6,600 on DraftKings. And the 25th ranked golfer in the world, we're not talking about the 200th. We're not talking about Will McGirt or or some other bum. We're talking about a guy that's, you know, 25th. Showing upside on the Euro Tour. For sure. Yeah, so I mean, and everybody, again, he hasn't really come back since then. I think it's just. Fleetwood and Scott are, I think, the only top 30 players that haven't made a return uh, yep. since the break. So I'm sure he's been working on his game. And then at 175 to 1, that's definitely a guy uh, as a long shot that could get it done. Yeah, you're, you just touched on some players that can really get hot. And if their game's on, they definitely do have the upside to, you know, go out and win or go out in top 10. So, you know, especially with Cameron Champ like that, we did see that last week where he showed some upside there. It wasn't the best course for him, but he's a guy that definitely can go low and his stats kind of say that as well. It's just, it's really hit or miss with some of those players, but that's kind of what you want to go for with those longer odds. Um, my two that I'm going to go with is going to be Doc Redman. He kind of just seems like he's due. I don't think it's going to be this week, but he's a really strong staff fit. Um, he just, he's been trending in the right direction for a while. I am worried about him pulling the Matthew Naismith on us and just completely, <laughs> you know, going back to the norm and just falling off the face of the earth. Um, and then I do like Nick Taylor again, going back to the well. I'm just hoping that he can kind of keep it all together and not have that one horrible round like he did. Uh, maybe just stay a little bit more consistent. But I got him at 175 uh, to one, which is pretty solid. Yeah, I've seen him win before on uh, two already. And, you know, it's, it's fine. He's a fine play. Obviously, I don't think he's going to win, but I do think he does have that upside. 
For sure. And I like Doc Redman a lot. We saw what he did on the back nine and the first round of the Rocket Mortgage where he was even par through 10 holes and then birdied seven of his last eight, which included a par on a par five. So that yeah. easily could have been eight in a row. Uh, and that's another guy here. We have a nine to five. He's, you know, top 15 in, in uh, model rank and stat rank for this week. So definitely a guy that if, if he can just get his putter going, there's no reason why he can't be up there. And again, in such a stacked and loaded field, I think he's a really good play for, for DraftKings in terms of having lower ownership because you have the Tony Finau's in the 8,000 range. You have Sungjae that's in the 8,000 range. So a lot of guys are going to be drawn to that and forget about a guy like Doc Redmond. Yeah. And then just some really long shots that I do want to mention just real quick because the game kind of does fit this. They really remind me of Kevin Streelman, if you will. Um, and Kevin Streelman's like at 70 to one, which you don't want to touch that. But these two players are very similar to Streelman. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you got Troy Merritt. I think we touched on him a little bit last week, uh, 250 to one. And then you got Brandon Steele. Brandon Steele is pretty much the exact same player as uh, Kevin Streelman. He's 250 to one as well. Those are both pretty solid plays. Um, they do have upside when they're hitting the ball they're normally really solid ball strikers that really don't make that many bogeys they're normally accurate players and i think that those two are going to be you know decent plays given those odds obviously we're not expecting them to win or anything like that but they could show some upside and maybe i don't know maybe you could do the the hazy and uh bet them to win and then uh pull out if they give you the chance to yeah But yeah, yeah, anyone who's betting uh, Kevin Streelman at 70 to 1 before the tournament, it's not like he's four under through four and at 70 to 1. He's yep. 71 before a tournament. You need some help and, and you really need to maybe lay off the gambling a little bit. But we <laughs> saw him and Brandon Steele, the Travelers, both up there on the leaderboard. Yeah. So, yeah, like, like, uh, like you said, I'd rather take Brandon Steele, who's obviously at triple the price point. Uh, and, but for me, I'm staying off of Troy Merritt. I mean, we've talked about it on the last podcast 40 to 1 going into the final round, no yeah. bogeys made just sculling a nice wedge on the first hole, double quick, quickly over. So, but yeah, again, that's another guy that just Troy Merritt, he's up there again, top 15, top 10 yeah. last week. Like again, a guy that's going to be overlooked in this loaded field. Uh, and that's going to be at a price point where you're going to see him in other weeks be like, I'm not touching Troy Merritt with a 10 foot, a 10 foot pole. <laughs> but this week it's like, yeah, sign me up. So speaking of that, we'll get into our uh, player on DraftKings uh, that you would bet on that you're not going to touch on DraftKings at all. And I'll start it off for me. Um, it's I don't know if I want to say it, to be honest with you. It's, uh, it's going to be Patrick Reed. I, I don't like him on DraftKings. I was worried about him last week, and he, he played decent, but he's a guy that can go low. I do feel like he's getting uh, quite overlooked. I don't really love the odds, but I, I kind of get it. Uh, I wouldn't go out of my way to bet him, but it's a play that I could see. If he wins, I'm not going to be shocked at all. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree because you kind of you look at Patrick Reed's stats, and other than, you know, maybe off the tee, you're surprised he's not doing better since the restart. But, again, that's another guy that just at any given week can really just turn it on, like John yeah. Rom we were mentioning a few minutes ago, yep. and then be like, yep, like what an idiot. It's Patrick <laughs> Reed. But uh, for me, that's going to be Tony Finau. I mean, that was, I that was my about, second. Yeah. yeah, I talked about it on, you know, recent, uh, I think, pods and, and maybe with you a little bit off air about the golfing gods giving you signs. And I always see him on Instagram. And, uh, you know, he had that 59 with a putt for 58 that is at his course there in Utah on 206 mile an hour ball speed. But anytime there's water and significant water hazards at a golf course, Tony Finau does worry me. Uh, but his stats are literally besides putting, he's. Mm-hmm. And you didn't, if you just showed someone his stats without putting and you'd be like, this guy is top five player in the world. Yeah. 
Each, yeah. Any given week, if he can get that putter hot, I mean, he's going to be tough to beat, but he's definitely going to be a guy that I'm going to bet outright, but uh, but not roster on my DraftKings. Cause you could totally see him missing the cut. Yep, for the reasons that you just said, but he's a guy that when his game is on, he could definitely take advantage of, of course. So I agree with that as well. Uh, quickly, I don't understand the Paul Casey love this week. I really don't understand it. You know, if this is not the, this is not the transitions or the fucking uh, paints, whatever the hell that tournament's called, I always forget in Tampa there. Yeah, it, yeah, it's not that tournament. So and every time I bet Paul Casey and every time you see him, he just underperforms and disappoints. I don't understand what the why everyone's infatuated with Paul Casey this week. So I get to play on DraftKings in terms of this guy has been a cut maker this year. He grades out you know, pretty well as a stat fit. I do not get him in terms of betting at all. He's a pretty horrible putter. And you're right. Whenever you decide to trust Paul Casey, that's when he fucks you. So, um, yeah. Especially at the fucking Masters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't bet him in majors. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't get it in terms of betting. I kind of get it in terms of DraftKings, especially in that price point range. I've noticed a lot of my builds – end up in that price range. So I do get people trying to force it in there, but you do have Matt Kuchar, Joaquin Neiman, Sergio, all in that price point range that are all, you know, just as good at plays as well. So just and if it wasn't DK for that fucking weather delay, Benny on could have been, fuck, he was on pace to shoot by a 62. That, I think, I think the weather delay kind of added to some of the variance that we saw last week, where it was just tough for people, players to really get on a roll. Uh, yeah. Some tee times were moved up, you know, it just was a weird tournament in general. But uh, yeah, I'm not, a, going back to, not going back to Benny on this week. No, even no, though, no. Even I, just, I was pretty surprised at how many people were on him pretty much just due to his course history. I was kind of shocked by that. And I'm kind of shocked by his price point again, but I know he does have the upside. So I get that aspect of it. I know for you specifically, that's really what you're concerned about. It was just the upside plays, yep. um, but it's, it's a risky play for sure. All right, so we get into the matchups here. Uh, there are a couple that I like. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? You can start. Okay, so I'm looking at it right now. It has changed a little bit since um, I posted on Monday on the 9 to 5 membership page. But I'm looking at Lucas Glover over Rory Sabatini. Yes, he's minus 120 over Rory Sabatini, but I do think he's going to win that matchup. That's not a bad matchup at all. Um, another one that's favorite to win is Adam Abman over Kevin Kisner. Kevin Kisner gets a ton of hype, I think, pretty much just because of the Barstool boys there. Don't really get it. Um, but I like – I don't. I really don't. It's like, yeah, he's a professional golfer that sometimes plays well. It's, he's a cool yeah. dude and whatnot, but that shouldn't influence your betting or your DK's uh, lineups. But those are the two that I like. Obviously, the, the favorites, I'll try to find another one here that isn't a favorite. Yeah, and, and we talked about regression of people playing well with Matthew Wolf last week. And I know uh, Sabatini's had a couple good weeks, yep. but I, I don't expect that to continue. And Lucas Glover has shown really, really good form uh, since the restart. And he obviously had the week off last week, so I think he's going to be refreshed. And, and that's a good one. Quickly here, Daniel Berger against Abraham Answer. Like I talked about earlier, Daniel Berger's going to be an outright play for me. You know, he's had – I don't know the number. I should know this, but it, it's something like his his handicap index would be like plus eight something where he's like literally shooting 64s all the time with he's his been a stud. yeah with his recent run of form with those consecutive rounds in the 60s so i really like daniel berger over abraham answer um ricky fowler against gary woodland we talked about this again mm-hmm. they're both paying a dollar 90 give me gary woodland he's just again the first round and a half was kind of just in slow motion you know in reverse almost. And, then, and then he made the cut and then and then he had a really good weekend so i'm gonna take that 
And then Colin Morikawa against Victor Hovland. I personally see a regression, not from Colin Morikawa, even though he won last week, but from Victor Hovland. Um, I just think that, you know, he's not going to have a good week this week, especially with his putter. Uh, I think Morikawa is a better putter and he's a better iron player. So I'm going to take Morikawa this week over Victor Hovland. So those are the three matchups I like. And uh, Colin Morikawa, again, they're both even $1.90. Yeah, that, sh- that should bounce out quite a bit where Hovland finishes a little bit better than Morikawa. You're, you're right there. Um, well, I have Morikawa over Hovland. You have Morikawa over Hovland? Yes. See, I don't know. It's it's close there, I think. Um, I don't know. That's a toss-up, but I'm, I'm seeing I, I just, it's a theme I, right now with the Yeah, and I, I just really like Morikawa in terms of if this was – if what happened in the last three holes didn't happen, I would definitely go with the approach I had with Matthew Wolf about having regression. But, you know, Victor Hovland, and, and the announcers were talking about it a little bit, you know, he was ch- he was two under through four or three mm-hmm. under through five. And, you know, he's walking up the fairway just, you know, having a laugh with Justin Thomas on the sixth hole. And the announcers are like, you know, I, I wouldn't be doing that right now. And then he proceeds to put a 150-yard shot in the water. And over to Colin Murakawa, you know, we saw Thomas make that 25-footer for eagle, and Murakawa still had that five-footer for par. Yeah. And then we obviously saw he was three down with three to play, and, and he didn't give up. He didn't throw in the towel. So to see a young guy with that kind of mental fortitude is actually really impressive where I expect that to be, you know, that, that really makes me impressive of, of how good he is as a player and him to be able to back up good weeks like we saw him with all those made cuts. So that's why I like Morikawa over Hovland. Yeah, he does seem mentally stronger than Hovland, just obviously with the made cuts and like you just said, um, yeah. especially to be able to bounce back after, you know, missing that playoff putt a few weeks ago. It's pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, I really don't have another matchup that I like too much, but there is one that I think I would bet on the most. I don't love it. It's going to be uh, Hideki is plus 100 over uh, DJ. Um, I know DJ just is coming off a of victory. He's had a miscut and an eighth finish here, but Hideki's kind of dominated this course. He's had uh, three straight top 22 finishes or better, which I do like. Hideki's a really great staff fit. His driving accuracy is a bit of a concern, and his putting has been pretty bad. When you combine those two, that's really never a good thing. Trouble with uh, pretty much the space ran out on my old laptop. I actually just got a new laptop, so not going to be an issue going forward. It will actually allow me to stream a little bit better. But uh, we don't have Hazi's direct takes on here, but pretty much we got into the top 40 picks there. We really agreed that Henrik Norlander was going to be a stud pick there. I um, really think that Norlander should make the cut. He's a guy that grades out really well to make the cut, and his odds at the top 40 are just spectacular. Um, some of the other players that we touched on to top 40 are going to be Nick Taylor once again. I think that's strong. I like uh, Troy Merritt, but that's going to be more of a, you know, if he has it together, he's going to more or less get the top 20. Um, I know Hazi wanted to go back to Sebastian Munoz once again. That's not a bad pick. I do want to just say we did want to go back and, uh, you know, re-upload this, do it again, do the, you know, finish off the podcast here uh, tomorrow. But I wanted to get the information out to you guys uh, tonight. So I do apologize for that. Um, And that, you know, that's pretty much sums up the top 40 picks. We already touched on a lot of the plays that we'd like for the top 40. I mean, there are a ton of great plays. Harris English is one. Uh, Adam Hadwin is one. I, I really don't get Adam Hadwin's price point. He should make the cut. And then in theory, you know, once he makes the cut, he should be able to at least go out on top 40 then. Uh, and there's some other picks in there as well. Um, 
But then we got into our one and done picks. So if you guys don't know, we've been pretty successful with our one and done picks. I was on Brian Stewart the first week. He had a top 30 finish. And then I was on Patrick Cantley last week. He had a top 10 finish. Hazi has done a little bit better um, for his one and done picks. He was on Bryson uh, two weeks ago. Obviously, Bryson won. And then last week, he was on Victor Hovland, who actually ended up helping him out. Cash pretty big, in case you guys didn't catch that at the start of the podcast. He caught fire last week was a betting card and uh, had a really successful week and that was mostly because bet 365 offered him an opportunity to cash out and took advantage of that which you know if you guys are making money more times than not you should just cash out if you can if you had that opportunity to um, but obviously we've been pretty stellar with those uh, one and done picks um, so this week um, Hazi went first he uh, stole Daniel Berger from me we both agree is a great pick uh, he should easily top 20 if you will he has a great chance to top 10 and obviously has a great chance to go out and get a victory again this week he's just a great stat fit after that after Hazi stole uh, Daniel Berger from me I ended up going with Xander Shoffley I was uh, between Webb Simpson and Xander I kind of wanted to save Webb for a little bit later on uh, but Xander, it's, he's setting up really well. He's had two straight top 14 finishes here. Uh, it just seems like things are trending in the right direction for him. He's a guy that he's, could easily go off. Um, then we got into our favorite top 40 picks. I ended up going with Harris English. And I believe Hazu went with Henrik Norlander. I'll have to touch on that um, <laughs> with him after this. But... That's all I have for you guys this week. I hope you really enjoyed the podcast. It was a lot of fun to make. We'll definitely keep doing these going forward. Glad you guys enjoy these, but let's have a good week. And, hey, let's keep cashing, or we're going to have to come up with a little bit better slogan for the betting slogan. But, hey, let's keep cashing. All right, we're out.